welcome to the Gamer DA Drive-In, where we like Transformers better than Ninja Turtles. That's not true. That's not what I say. I like Soundwave. He's my fave. Um, I th- that rhymed. I like uh, Donatello and Leonardo and Michelangelo and Raphael. I prefer Bebop and Rocksteady. Just saying. <laughs> it's the Toidles. <laughs> <laughs> so if if it is Transformers, is it Gen 1 or... Oh, there are no fucking other gens. It's just Transformers. Transformers. Okay. Robots in okay, disguise. Okay, it's Gen 1 and then Transformers Prime, because those are the only good ones. What's What's the difference between Gen 1 and Prime? About 20 years. What's... And a lot of character designs. Hmm. Soundwave is mute. <laughs> That's, that defeats the purpose of sound. <laughs> He's like from the Finsler G.I. Joes. The one in the... <laughs> The suit is like... You can't beat that stuff, man. That's always pretty good. But we're not talking about G.I. Joe's or Transformers today, are we? Or Turtles. Or Toils. I like Cobra Commander, too. We are talking about something that is from the 80s, though. Right at the end yes. of the 80s. Yes. I like how that segued. We didn't even mean for it to. It just, it just worked. You didn't mean for it to. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Cobra Commander Force over here. <laughs> I'll get you. But we do oh, plan I'll, on... I'll spare you. <laughs> we do plan on getting a little weird today, though. A little weird owl? A little weird I owl. I get it now. <laughs> UHF. What? Well, that stands for ultra high frequency, for those mm-hmm. who didn't know. And, but, I legit did not know that, because I didn't care enough to look it up. At one time, that's how you used to get your television stations. Yep. Was yeah, that was the only way. Popped up an antenna and UHF happened. That's uh, why the villain is like, "What that little UF UHF station outside of town?" Yeah, I still remember even as a child, like whenever I would watch cartoons, like before school or on Saturday mornings, if they were showing reruns of another cartoon, I always switched over to a local. It was a channel thirteen or something like that. Which was a UHF station, and they would sometimes show goofy Sonic the Hedgehog cartoons, or... I wonder if there's any UHF still running, like I don't know, but I know back when I was a kid, I used to watch one, because I had to have my dad finagle at the antenna at 8 o'clock every fucking Saturday, and he used to get pissed. I'd watch some Sonic the Hedgehog show, Ultimate Muscle, which is a garbage fucking anime. (laughs) But with a with a name like Ultimate Muscle, though, it was it was an anime about wrestling. (laughs) How could it be a flop? (laughs) Wait, was it was the muscle anagrammed? Was it M dot U dot? I it may have been. I cannot remember. Because when I was a kid, they used to make these little rubber figures. In fact, I used to get them in my chocolate milk. But they were muscle men. M U S C L E. Okay. Yeah. They each had a period after the letter. Yeah. And they would all be like really weird, extravagant looking little muscle dudes. And that sounds about right. As I recall, one of the, the main character's best friend, because in all animes, the main character has to have a best friend. His name was Jaeger. And okay. he was German. And that was his entire fucking character. Wow. <laughs> nice. That was it. And this is my German friend, Jaeger. And he had a terrible Arnold Schwarzenegger accent. I'm going to have to show you guys, because it, it is really that bad. I'll have to look it up, if it is that bad, because I love cringeworthy things. The the main character had, like, a blue onesie, and he had, like, a duck face and a mohawk. Hmm. I, I can't explain it better than that. I will have to show you at least a picture. 
Well, we'll look it up later. So since we've already sidetracked like four times. Right, right. We haven't even <laughs> stayed on topic yet. <laughs> Stay on topic. Uh, UHF, I believe it came out in 89. It definitely uh, wasn't an, a big box office hit. No, it was not. Um, Weird Al Yankovic stars in it. Uh, it was MGM and Orion released it. That's how you knew you were in for a quality product as a kid, especially in the 80s, was you seen the Orion symbol yep. pop like, up. You know, Like it does for RoboCop? It's exactly right. And El Terminatoro. I knew El it. El Terminatoro. Uh, starts off <laughs> in the most ridiculous of ways with uh, a little bit of Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> as one does. I'm already fucking laughing at it. Just thinking about what happens. So stupid. <laughs> when he turns around and whips that dude's arm off with the whip. Yeah, the the, the guy's going to double cross him, and he pulls yeah. out a gun. So he pulls his Indiana Jones whip out, and the dude's arm just falls off. <laughs> that, that whole scene, like, I, I didn't really know what to... I didn't watch this movie until a few years after it had came out. Right. Did you watch what? it on a UHF station? No, I wish I would have. Highly ironic. It would be uh, VHS though. I remember wa- renting it from like CNN Video here in town. But it's it's kind of weird that Weird Al parodies music the same way he was trying to parody movies right. in UHF, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's it was actually quite brilliant, especially even just the Raiders of the Lost Ark part. Real quick, one thing that I love about just Weird Al in general is is his firm stance on, going to sound a little weird, but like clean humor. He never cusses, never does anything right. intrusive. All his jokes revolve around food and people being fucking idiots. Right. That's all of his songs and all of, but it all works. He does a good job. Well, it's because he's talented. Yeah. He truly is talented. But I just love how that fits in here too. One of the very first jokes of the movie is a fucking Twinkie. Uh, hold on. Well, that's that's it's, later. It's a, well, yeah, it's in the first twenty jokes, I think. Yeah, <laughs> the, t- the Twinkie Wiener sandwich. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> fucking Twinkie. The hot dog. Hot dog and in the, the Twinkie with uh, with uh, easy cheese. Easy yeah. cheese right on top of it. <laughs> he's like trying to shove it down his friend's throat. And he's like, "Come on, you know you like it." <laughs> and then he sticks his fingers in Bobo's mouth. He shoves him in there and makes <laughs> yeah, a giant smile. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how that dude didn't blink. Whip I would have flinched and punched the shit out of him. We, we completely skipped the, the Lost Ark parody. There were so many good jokes there were. in that alone. So you have, he whips his arm off. That was out of the blue. Then the next one is the the guy goes him, follows him in, and he's like, we shouldn't be here. So as soon as he leaves, a fucking train runs him over. A fucking train. Well, the funny part was is he's like, oh, this is a bad omen, or this is a sacred place. You can't go past right. this. And it's it's like an Aztec-looking face, only it's got a giant grin, and he's like, yeah. got his fingers in his mouth sticking his tongue out at you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm... Uh, it, the whole movie is set up like that. It's just so ham-fisted, and it's just a fun movie. Like, every bit of this movie is just completely fun. It is yes. so fun that I was looking up on YouTube trying to find behind-the-scenes stuff, and it, w- it was an HBO behind-the-scenes little segment, and it's only like two minutes. 
so the the video quality is terrible. But the first thing fucking Weird Al says, he's like, all I said was, no matter any part of the deal, all I, they have to make sure that I can work with a huge, large amount of fish. With the, uh, <laughs> uh, what was the fish game they played? Wheel of Fish. Wheel of Fish. Wheel of fish. <laughs> and then there's behind-the-scenes footage of him, and he's, like, giving the fish away as gifts to kids. Like, hey, thanks for being part of my show, and he's giving them fish. Just so silly. Yeah, but I, that's him. I love Weird Al. So he goes in and he tries to steal an Oscar. That's what he's good yeah, getting in. Right. <laughs> he makes his way past the uh, oh, stop, he, don't he enter signs. He doesn't even put the sand on it. No. He takes the bag of sand and he weighs it. Yeah, and, he then he, it and, and then he just takes the Oscar and leaves. Chucks, <laughs> chucks the bag off to the side and walks out with it. Now... I would wonder, was he making commentary on how easy it is to get an Oscar, or is, <laughs> was that the joke and I'm reading too far into it? I, I think Weird Al's clever enough to do that, but I don't know if he's authentic. <laughs> and then the boulder follows him. Yeah, he runs past that's, and just like in Raiders. Thing. I, as a kid, I was fine with the movie up to this part, but once the boulder starts following through him through fucking snowy landscapes in <laughs> Egypt and then down fucking suburban streets, I lost it. I fucking lost it as a kid. Takes a left turn. It takes a left turn. It's so stupid. <laughs> oh, I can't help but laugh. And then when he it finally smashes him, you realize he's just daydreaming. Just daydreaming. Mm-hmm. We forgot about the signs. Yeah, he when he's going in, <laughs> when he's going in, they're like Do danger. Not turn around. Flat tire. Obstacle ahead. <laughs> just, Watch for falling on. Uh, yeah. Uh, rocks. <laughs> Any warning sign you could think of. Uh, All in like bright neon yellow mm-hmm. construction tape. The funny part too that Weird Al is so simple and it hits home even to the most simple of people like you can tell that you, every bit of the joke is used there's not a bit of the the joke that he he lays out for you that you look at and it's just like all right dude you need to chill out with it uh-huh. every bit of it you just it it all hits mm-hmm. and it doesn't stay in one place for too long even when he's in there with like the part where they get fired from Working at the restaurant because that's Burger what he World? is. Is that what it was? Yeah. Burger World. Yeah. He worked for Big Edna. Big Edna. Oh, what's Big Edna gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> and turns around and there she is. And she throws them both out one handed. Yeah. <laughs> like two hundred feet. And then he get, has to go home and admit that they got fired and look for new jobs. Mashed potatoes. Oh, <laughs> my favorite. <laughs> that's the next part too. Is they go to he goes to Terry's place. Uh huh. I think him. I think Terry is actually the p- most pivotal character in the movie. Without Terry, UHF would not have been successful. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think she ends up being one of the best characters in the whole show. Not necessarily what her what the actress does with it, but the actual pivot for the character in the show for for Weird Al's character. Which yes, well, yeah, indeed. because I mean, it's amazing how much hinges on one tiny little fucking thing. She breaks up with him. He gets pissed, storms out, gives the show to his janitor, of all fucking people, goes to a bar, sees that his janitor is doing a bang-up goddamn job. And Everyone loves love it. Him. Yeah. So. Yeah. But that's why he got so depressed, because when he got on the show that day, he was so damn depressed over Terry. Mm-hmm. Now everyone's laughing you and mocking you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's kind of a point his character kind of understands that that was not his place. They obviously like you better. Hey, you want your own show? Uh, yeah. Can I still be janitor? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Which, you know, we we skipped ahead. His uncle, who is a degenerate gambler, yes, is 
placing bets and ends up winning a UHF station. Mm-hmm. And in the process of that, his aunt, uh, for some reason, they're having some party at their house. And, of course, he is over at their house talking to her, and the aunt finds out that George lost his job, lost his job again. So, George, which is Weird Al's character, which I don't know if we've actually ever said no, that. No, we haven't said it, no. We suck. George is talking to his aunt, and his aunt finds out that the Uncle Harvey has come on to a UHF station, and he's talking about ditching it or dumping it, and he said, well, there ain't nobody to run it, and she puts the correlation together to let George run it. Right. And <laughs> which She's surprisingly supportive of this uh, this obvious lost cause. And right before he was trying to give punch to a dog <laughs> to the dog with, with a ladle, George was yeah yeah he's trying to, he's trying to give this dog punch and then she's like George come here so he looks up at her and then he just tosses the dog into the punch bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Did not see that one coming. It was already silly enough, and he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't know. It weird out something about that scene, the look of concentration on his face where he's <laughs> he's trying to get this dog to drink fruit punch from a ladle but it just ain't it just ain't happening uh we missed also one of the one of the close encounter the close encounters joke yes when he's at terry's right before he goes to to his uncle harvey's when he's at terry's he's playing in mashed potatoes and makes the iconic this means rock. something. Makes the tower. Yeah, of, yeah what's it? It's like the Devil's Rock or something like yeah, that. The Devil's rock. Rock. Yeah, the Devil's Rock. It's in Montana or something. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not sure exactly where. What I love is that I saw that scene and I did not get it as a kid, but then I watched Close Encounters as an adult and I laughed my fucking ass off. I only wish that he had made a giant mound of potatoes in his living room. Uh, the cast for this show was actually pretty spot on actors. Even You know, Michael Richards, who's Kramer... He was Stanley Spadalski. Right. Who has, uh, in the past few years, dropped out of favor? What'd he do? Oh, he was at a comedy club, and he was getting heckled, and he called him He called him the N-word. I, don't, I thought he called him nappy-headed or something like that. He did something... He did something along that lines. No comedian needs to cross that line. Yeah. Uh, well, as a comedian, once he gets to the point, the comedian can look to the comedy club staff, and he's like, get them out of here. Mm-hmm. They're disrupting the show. He doesn't have to get mad at them and call them names, because he has the the venues, the venue has his back. And if if he as the artist is up there, you know... Getting the pe- heckled. Right, getting heckled. Mm-hmm. And... Most of the most of the comedians, because I watch heckler videos all the time, they will try to disarm it and they'll try to bring it down and be like, "Hey, can you guys pay attention? These other people paid, you know, and you're ruining it for everyone." And they'll give them multiple chances, three, four, five chances, but eventually it just gets to the point where, like, "Get them out of here! Mm-hmm. Get them out of here!" Assuming they don't leave first on their own accord, right? right. Hopefully, well, I think that's part of the issue too—is embarrass them enough where they'll just leave. Mm-hmm. But nine times out of ten, they're drunk and they don't care. And they just want to start and something. It just makes it worse. That uh, having seen those heckler videos, it makes the scene in the Nutty Professor with Eddie Murphy just that much sweeter. When, uh, as full on buddy love Eddie Murphy, he goes Loving up and you. buddy he love just fucking destroys Dave Chappelle, <laughs> just ruins him. Ow! Yeah. Apologies to those listening. So, Weird Al plays George. 
Victoria Jackson is Terry, and Kevin McCarthy is R.J. Fletcher. Is question is Victoria Jackson is she the receptionist in Vic- Twin Peaks? I don't know. I'll look that up here in a minute. She's Terry. She's George's girlfriend, and Bobo or Bob is played by David Bow. And Ooh, I wish I had seen in more stuff, but I just don't know anything else he's been in. He has been. He's actually been in quite a bit of stuff. We we should look him up too in a little bit. Um and do it. I can never pronounce his name, but Getty Watanabe. Watanabe. That's it. Uh, Ken Watanabe. He's Cooney. He's the next door neighbor. Uh, with the uh, karate clap, karate school. Yeah. Stupid. (laughs) You so stupid. And he's their neighbor. And Billy Barty's in it. He's uh, Noodles McIntosh. He's the camera guy. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He looks a lot different in Legend with 50 pounds of prosthetics on. Yes, he does. And Fran Drescher, she's a Pamela... I always forget she's in it. Pamela Finkelstein, (laughs) yep. I always forget. I'm trying to look up... I know you have it pulled up, but I'm trying to look at it, too. Let me go to the cast. Yeah. Fran, Fran, I wonder... Or you're looking up Terry Campbell. You wanted to know if she was in another show. Yes, I lost complete... After process. after he wins the UHF station, he goes in. Him and Terry go to visit at the middle, basically the middle of the night. Pretty much, yeah. I love how he, I I like to imagine that he basically just dropped everything he was doing, said, "Hey Terry, let's go," and she's like, uh, "Okay," and then bam, they're just there. She she's a little creeped out by it. <laughs> she walks in and she's just like, "I don't know about this, George." And George is like, "See, the door's open. It's a friendly place." <laughs> and immediately, some guy's like, "Hey, you got change for a dollar?" Hey, Mister, <laughs> you got change? <laughs> he didn't. You didn't even know he wanted change for a dollar, really. He right. just asked him for change. Right, uh-huh. right. And uh, he holds out his hand and he's like, "75 a dollar, thanks, Mister." And hands him a dollar bill back. Yep, yep. <laughs> He was Weird. literally wanting him to cash in a dollar for him. Yeah. That <laughs> that guy plays Pivotal Point later on in the show, too. The homeless guy does. Well, I assume he's homeless. I don't know if he's homeless or just a vagabond and well, he lives we in never town. Well, he's home, so I assume he's homeless. Right. Mm. But we didn't see Bobo's home either, so we have to assume he's... No, actually, we do. He lives in George. I was about to say, I thought they lived together. Yeah. Uh, but when they walk in, they run across Philo. I love Philo. I loved him as a kid. I loved his lab. Reminded me of uh, fucking MST3K. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, he's played by Anthony Geary, who is also in, uh, what was that, General Hospital? Something daytime soap opera? Extraordinary extravaganza. Exactly. Uh, but he's actually really cool. He's actually one of my favorite characters in the show. He... It's definitely different. He's very eccentric. And later on, you figure out that he there's more to him than just the, uh, uh, basically the guy who takes care of all the, all the, uh, equipment, equipment. The yeah. engineer, as he calls himself. Yes. <clears throat> Thank you. Josh, you making any headway? Yeah, no, she, as far as I can tell, she's not in it, but she's been acting, uh, looks like 2009 was her last man but still she lasted longer than sean connery <laughs> <laughs> but yeah or more recent than sean doesn't at look least. like it's her Truth. but yeah he 
tries to make a go of this UHF station. It doesn't go so well from the get-go. To put it lightly. Or does it go right? That was stupid. Just ignore me. It goes left. Continue. <laughs> so he gets to the point where dumber. he's trying to work at this something that... George has been through lots of jobs. In fact, his girlfriend makes comments about it. Mm-hmm. Terry says, you know, how, what job is the right job for you, George? You're such a daydreamer and everything like that. And once he finally gets the job that you can tell that he wants, and he works super hard at it, he's even there late. Mm-hmm. In fact, he's there so late one night that he's supposed to have dinner with Terry, Terry and her parents. Correct. <clears throat> and he which he that. right, which he invited him to dinner. Hilariously, he invited her over the airwaves. Yeah, Literally on the UHF station. Yeah, be like Terry, I know you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> she works at an orthodontist office or something. It's that was pretty awesome on his part. Mm-hmm. Got to be, got to be honest. And then he realizes he's late and gets a phone call. As soon as he goes for the phone. Uh, I I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have waited two and a half hours for someone to show up for dinner. You got about a good forty five minutes. No shit. And after that, be like, all right, we're ordering. Sorry. And she dumps his ass over the phone. Now, normally, I would say that's a bit harsh because the guy does run a fucking TV station. But knowing George, I mean, I don't want to say he had it coming, but well, I mean, it's hard. Like, it's one of those things you can see both sides of their perspectives. Yeah. So, it, that, that's good. <laughs> it kind of definitely gives you the idea that George is a little on the manic side. <laughs> Especially when he beats his head. Like, it, when he's getting ready to have dinner with Terry in her apartment. And he's just like, and I don't know why I'm... <laughs> and he's beating his head against the cabinet. And then she, he goes, oh, mashed potatoes, my favorite. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the movie should have been called ADD. <laughs> ADD, a TV story. A, U- a UHF vision story. My favorite scene in the show is during Uncle Nutsy's Fun House when he's got Bobo coming out and Bobo comes out as a clown. It's the first episode of Uncle Nutsy's Clubhouse. Yes. One I of only two. <clears throat> right, of course. I feel quite terrible for admitting this. I did not realize that was Bobo in a clown outfit. I thought it was just a depressed fucking clown. <laughs> I, I didn't get it the first viewing, that's for mm-hmm. sure. But the second time, I was like, wait a minute. My favorite part is he's he, he's just standing there. And he tells Bobo, look up, look down. Now look at Mr. Frying Pan. And he smacks him in the face with a frying pan. And it smashes Bobo's nose in. And then he says something about, oh, what's wrong, Bobo? Are you sad? And Bob goes to squeeze the, the horn that he's holding in his hand, and then he just goes, <laughs> Didn't he say something like, Bobo, fall down or something? Oh, Bobo, fall down and yeah. go boom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then after that, he feeds him. He's supposed to be feeding him some kind of cookie. Yeah, there's some uh, advertising promotion for a cookie. Ends up being a dog treat on Fucking accident. dog treats. <laughs> <laughs> it ends up being Yappy's dog treats. I love it. With uh, the taste of liver and onion and just a hint of cheese. Just a hint of cheese. How do? What brings you guys back to it? I plead the fifth. No, just <clears throat> sorry. I, I keep stepping on you. I don't mean to. 
I'm taller than you. That's not possible. It's good humor. I I know, especially something like this over time, the jokes don't hit as good because you've seen them a hundred times. So I don't watch this movie but once every few years. But they're they're well written in the story. I know it's a comedy and it's a slapstick and it's a parody and all that stuff. But it's got a good flow to it. It it doesn't feel like it's jammed together just to be funny. Mm-hmm. There's a story. There's an overarching story, and it's just George going from loser to almost. I don't want to read too far into it, but going from child to man because he's he can't hold a job. He's always daydreaming, and he finds a way to take his daydreaming and his imagination and his creativeness and make a successful UHF station at a time when UHF is out the door. I know I'm reading into it a bit and too here far. here I am working at a fucking gas station. Um, oh, yeah, but that's kind of the funny part about UHF. But you're, here, you're hearing on podcast. That's what I was getting ready to say. That's, yeah! That kind of gives me, like, when I watch a show like this, I like put cor- I put correlation to something like this to even our own lives. Like, I was doing a lot of that while watching the movie. And I look at someone like George, and I think, you know, he has a hard time keeping down a job because it's not the right job for him. He knows mm-hmm. that. And once he finds the right job for him, he works he works his ass off he works for his early. ass off for it. He really does. And you didn't I didn't expect him to I guess maybe take his heart of initiative into it or put heart into it like he did. Because he was such a screw-up in all of his other mm-hmm. endeavors. So when you see him really trying, they'll let you know, like, this is the job for him. Right. He finally found it. And then when he has that risk of losing it all, like, you you actually start to be concerned for him. Uh-huh. And, I, and I, that reflects back on even us doing this podcast, like, UHF this podcast this is something we enjoy and we love and we do get to a point where we do work hard at this because we really do love doing this this is something that we really enjoy we come back week after week except josh he's an asshole right. yeah yeah my opinion doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> what fry just said <laughs> but like fry like fry like fry <laughs> but yeah even when when Stanley's worried about losing the job, and and he's just like, I'm going to go to the bar, and he's like, but you don't drink. <laughs> right. Well, he was so heartbroken. Yeah, he was so upset. He's like, yeah, I think it's about time to start. What does he order, too? I forget what he orders. I don't even remember. I don't even think it's alcoholic what he orders. <laughs> there's there's no telling. I think he, he orders like a chocolate milk or something. I would not doubt it. I can't remember what he orders, but it, uh, Bob orders a daiquiri. I think he says blueberry daiquiri. <laughs> oh, that's what George orders, is a blueberry that's daiquiri. That's right, that's right. So, and that's where the whole movie changes. That was the funny part, too. It's like, where did all those kids come from? <laughs> right, there was no one during his, his performance. Yeah, there like, was like three kids who were fi- half falling asleep, and then when fucking... Uh, uh, Stanley. Stanley, that's his name. When he takes over, bam, the auditorium is full of kids, adults, fucking people who were just in he the was, building. He was gone for, what, 15 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now it's full of people. And then Spadowski gives an amazing speech about Scribble not giving up. <laughs> <laughs> it, 
then you got to take a toothbrush. You got to get down there. You got to scratch. <laughs> and you got to stand up. He's like, these floors are filthy as hell. <laughs> and I'm not going to take and it. I'm not going to take it anymore. That was that speech was eerily similar to, uh, oh, fuck, the 70s movie, the uh, TV reporter. I'm mad as hell. Yeah. And I'm not going to take it anymore. Yeah. You need to go to your, they're yelling it in in England and they're, yeah. He's like, you need to say that. You need to go outside and yell that. We're fucking film files and I, and I'm sitting here going, Uh, "Uh, it's film file. I'm a grandma. Yeah. That's, I was going to say that. I double. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. I dabble in (laughs) film Nazism. And he just is yelling it out the minor in grammar. (laughs) We did forget on the long, the way, so far, all the commercials that are in between all the segments. Do you remember, like, the Crazy Eddie commercial? I'm Crazy Eddie. You got to get down here and buy this car. I'm going to make a deal or I'm going to club a seal. <laughs> and I don't know why, but the Crazy Eddie one does not stick in my memory. Yep. I, I, I remember that. I remember, I, mm-hmm. I see it, saw some background uh, uh, behind the scenes thing, and I think Christian Slater was going to play that part at a point. I'll be damned. Uh, it was the right time. Yeah, no shit. I cannot remember why that fell through. Club is sealed to make a better deal is what he... <laughs> what I love what is that because this is an Orion movie, and Orion just released RoboCop very shortly before this. Okay. Maybe only a year or two. And RoboCop has the same stuff, even the though it's same more satirical. satirical. Yeah. Uh, I kind of wish Paul Verhoeven had directed this, although I know it would have had more tits and, and nudity <laughs> and explosions and blood and fascism. I'd have bought it for a dollar. <laughs> it would have been less. It would have definitely felt less. Oh, he and Weird Al would have clashed. Yeah, I it wouldn't it. have been the same thing. No. It would have right. been the same thing. But I remember the uh, Spatula City commercial. Spatula City! Spatula, Spatula City! City. <laughs> I love their right. spatula so much. I bought, I bought the company. company. <laughs> <laughs> what, my, what a lovely spatula. Right. Come on down, buy nine spatulas and get the 10th one for a penny. <laughs> There was the plots are us. Do you remember that segment? Uh, yes. Oh, oh, for uh, for graves. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it shows like the people with the, <laughs> buried two thirds of the way and have their legs sticking legs up. Stu- yeah, look, they just arm. stowed it. Are you? Well, oh fuck, I forgot the. Are you upset with cutthroat rates on? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> are you tired of shoddy graves? Dude's feet up in the air. Yeah, just ridiculousness. And then of course. <laughs> The game show Wheel of Fish. Ooh, a red snapper. Very tasty. <laughs> do you want to keep your fish or do you want what's in the box? And that actress, she did such a good job uh-huh. of looking like, oh, oh uh, so conflicted. Uh, uh. So conflicted. She was really good. Every time I watch that one scene, I always think, I'm like, I wonder if she ever went on. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, you know, that would be the perfect spot for a cameo for someone who actually won at Wheel of Fortune or something. <laughs> well, I was just talking about. She did so good acting that scene. Like mm-hmm. she didn't, she didn't overdo it. She didn't oversell it. She seemed to be just right. And I was like, I always wonder if people like that ever went on to do bigger and better, or were they just helping someone out, or like, uh, do you know her name? No, that's what I'm obviously about. not. <laughs> well, that doesn't mean she didn't have a sexful, uh, sexful, <laughs> successful, Freudian slip. Yep, a successful career. I got it out. I said it correctly. Correctly. Who, who said I didn't? Enunciate. So, Fuck off. 
Couldn't understand you with that accent. Did I? <laughs> Good eye, mate. <laughs> Fuck off, mate. So Stanley Spadolsky t- ends up taking over the show, and it starts to be, what's it? It's uh, Stanley Spadolsky's Clubhouse. That's a damn mouthful, isn't it? It's hard to say. It's a complicated last name. And I could be wrong, but I think as the show gets more and more popular, they keep adding words to the name. I recall they do, but I could be wrong. That could be correct. I thought they. Were, I think I didn't. I didn't remember them adding anything to it beyond. Stanley Swidolsky something something. <laughs> like, when he first does it, it's just whatever, but then the next time he's playing with fucking trains and got fucking explosions going mm-hmm, on with his little mm-hmm. promo. And then the next time after that, he Be comes there. out. Huh? He, he's going to, that's the promo that he's like, now on U62. <laughs> Be there. Be there. <laughs> and then he's kind of like, uh, got that look like, are we done? <laughs> yeah. Do, do I stop? What's going on? Oh, what was that little... I don't remember his name, but I'll say Billy Marshall. Well, little Billy Marshall, you found the marble in the oatmeal. <laughs> he's hunting for it with two adults. <laughs> that was probably his parents, but yeah. still, you get to drink from, from the, the fire hose. <laughs> yeah. Sticks his ass on like a saddle on a on a rolly cart. And I love it. Opens up the fire truck hose on him and knocks him <laughs> off of it. So the, the local uh, network affiliate is losing advertising money to this U62 channel. Well, they're losing viewership. Right. Right. Well, no, he even says we're losing... Uh, our advertising customers are closing their accounts mm-hmm. and opening them... For a U62 channel. U- yeah, exactly. Because so many people are watching U62. I, I got I, I love the villain. Excuse I love R.J. Fletcher so much. He is the pinnacle of douchebag corporate asshole, but he is so... Over the top, he hams it up. He chews all the scenery, and he gets so much runtime of this movie. I love every second that's dedicated he, to him. He's in it quite a bit. He's my favorite part of the movie. Uh, Kevin McCarthy. I'm gonna be honest. I I personally cannot remember any movie in which he plays a good guy. <laughs> well, he's got one of those faces. <clears throat> well, that's where Stanley. He actually finds Stanley. Remember, it was when mm-hmm. he goes to. Uh, he accidentally got a package delivered at the UHF station for Channel 13. Mm-hmm. So Stanley thought, or not Stanley, but uh, George thought he would just deliver it to him and talk to RJ and just, you know, say, hey, you know. And I love it. Everybody's like, don't, you don't know RJ Fletcher. He's like, oh, how bad can he be? <laughs> hey, RJ. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking phone stops ringing. I love it. The printer yeah, stops. Everything print- stopped. Yeah. Everything stopped because everyone knew that he done goofed. And then RJ turns around and yells at him. <laughs> it's a federal offense to steal a package. I ought to have you. And I love it. And he fi- tries firing him, and he, even though he didn't even. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> Yeah, well, oh. let's he he fires Spadowski because yeah. he misplaced a file. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he said it, he was sitting on it. Yeah. Yep. Yes, sir. Mum up. Total a hole. So glorious. After all that, after after U sixty two finally starts to take clout, Uncle Harvey. Makes a bet that he can't keep. Got, got, got too much in those horse races. 
I can't remember how much he bets, and he ends up losing. What was it? Fifty thousand. Seventy-five. Seventy-five thousand. Yeah, he, he has to give a uh, big Louis. Big, big Louis. Louis. Seventy-five grand. I love big Louis. He is so Doctor Claude hurts. <laughs> yeah, I, I really wish they had gotten Frank Wilker to do him. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Because he's answered on the phone. He's like. Your numbers came in. Your horses didn't win. Oh, what I owe you? 75000 So he, he loses his shit for a minute. And while he's doing it, he's changing out his hand, and he puts a fucking mm-hmm. meat cleaver on it. <laughs> he's fucking chopping it's, sausage. He smacks something. the sausage for that, yeah. <laughs> So you're saying this guy's evil and uh-huh. dangerous is what you're trying to tell me. I don't, I don't quite get it. What are you trying to tell me? What's the message I'm being conveyed here? <laughs> a meat cleaver. Of all things he could do. A custom-made fake hand that's a fucking meat cleaver. Even an ice pick would make more sense to me than a fucking meat cleaver. <laughs> an ice pick to cut meat with? I think not. So he has to... I wouldn't have to cut meat with it. That's the point. I, the function... There's only two functions for the meat cleaver. You either cut meat or kill someone with it. But the ice pick, you know, you could do a lot with a little ice pick hand. Like stab something. Right? Or make ice. <laughs> Or pry things. Or pry things or, or... Crowbar hand. He needed a... <laughs> he needs a crowbar <laughs> I gotta open my crate somehow. <laughs> I love cliched villains. They're my favorite. Oh, man. So, we find out that Uncle Harvey has bet the farm, and now he's gonna have to sell the UHF station. Real quick, I have one thing to question... He okay when he gets the call from Big Louie, he is swimming in a pool, correct? In a California house, correct? Why the fuck is seventy five thousand dollars such a big deal to this guy? Probably because what? he he realizes I've got that UHF station. Remember, he was like, Ugh. he's like, you got to come up with it by Friday or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then this guy calls him and is like, hey, you want to offload your UHF station? I'll buy it. Mm-hmm. And that's whenever. That's how this all starts, where it's competing. I just mean, what I, I know, I'm sure prices were different back then, but I'm willing to bet he's pretty well off. He's talking about where the hell did he, if he had $75,000 to bet, yet here he is in California in mm-hmm. a nice pool with a little radio next to him, and he's just drinking mojitos or whatever he's drinking. Like, what? I he's just in feel a like fancy it place, right? I just feel like it should have been more cash, that's all. Small well, plot contrivance. But. I know the plot needs it to be that amount of money, or it. The amount of money is not important. It's the fact that he needs the money, but it's just a small inconsistency. Right. Well, I see your point. If this dude has seventy-five grand to be thrown mm-hmm. around on bets, then. But I mean, there's also the gamblers who bet more than they have. But what I'm saying is, how much would a Hollywood house cost? Right. In comparison to $75,000. Right. Probably 75000 back then. But you also have to take into account, he won the UHF station anyway. Mm-hmm. He sees it as nothing more. He say, he even makes a comment like, I won it with a, you know, with a dummy hand. I was bluffing. Right, yeah, yeah I was bluffing. And he just sees it as, I can either take a $75,000 hit, or I can take this UHF station that I don't, I'm not doing anything with it anyway. That's true. And just mm-hmm. unload it. He is a big enough douchebag to do that to his own uh, nephew. I don't even think that really he was trying to be a douchebag to George. Mm-hmm. I think more of it would just blew down to 
It just cutting his losses. Yeah, he just wanted yeah. to cut, make sure that he wasn't going to have any. And losses. also for him, it was a perfect storm. He's like, "Fuck! I just lost all this money. I owe Big Louie seventy five grand. He'll kill me. Hey, can I buy your station? Because it's a pain in my ass. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll sell to you for seventy five thousand. <laughs> yeah. You know, so to him, it was a perfect storm. It's just very convenient. That's true. And of course, for him, he learns no lesson because now uh-huh. he can, if, if things went his way, he'd have sold it to RJ. RJ would have made a parking lot, got rid of the competition, things would have been back to normal, status quo unchanged, and his status quo would be unchanged because he's like, ooh, that was a close one. Big Louie almost killed me, but... He's not gonna now. Not today. <laughs> so now what do I bet? Yeah, exactly. Because he would went right back to it, and I'm sure he probably did again. We don't talk about that much, do we? I UHF, UHF 2, back at it again. <laughs> Big Louie's revenge. The search for more money. <laughs> That's taken. Uh, okay, real quick. In Spaceballs, uh, you know, they talk Spaceballs 2, Surf for More Money. Rick Moranis, in like 2004, had the best title I have ever heard of a sequel. And it was called Spaceballs 3, The Search for Spaceballs 2. <laughs> Mel Brooks said no to it. Oh, fuck, Mel. I think that would have been perfect, personally. Well, I, think, anyway. I think Mel's pretty much retired. Yeah. So there was some videos of his son and him decades ago. Uh, during quarantine time. And his son was on one side of the glass and he was on the other and they were corresponding and making joke of it. You know, like, this is how I have to visit my dad now. Right. (laughs) You know, my dad's Mel Brooks. It's just like, (laughs) holy cow. But UHF is still, it's still one of those movies that the joke still can't hit today. Mm -hmm. Like, even as ridiculous as they are, even with (laughs) the Rambo scene... The Rambo scene was my favorite as a kid, for obvious reasons. It <laughs> even his Rambo latex suit was like surprisingly well done, <laughs> glistening in the sun. <laughs> I thought it kind of looked like chewy bacon, but eh. I love how the skin tone does not match his head at all. It was just a little bit so, off. It's so fucking ripped. Well, like back in the day when I would have seen this, it would have been on broadcast TV at like Saturday at noon. And it would have been horrible picture quality, so I doubt you could tell back then, right. you know. But here we are watching it digitally, and mm-hmm. it's a little bit better, a little crisper, a little cleaner. Actually, the the digital transfer of UHF is actually pretty good. That's what I noticed. I watched it on YouTube, so. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. I rented it from YouTube. I've got it on Blu-ray, and I've watched it on, I've got it on Vudu as well. Voodoo. And it's actually a pretty good clean transfer. I was actually kind of shocked that they took that kind of care or shot it on that good of film back in the day, right. I should say. Well, there's also how did they store the the negatives, the the reels, how did they store it? Did they I've heard so many horror stories of movies where twenty years later it becomes a, a cult classic or a big hit. And everyone's like, we want the remaster. And they're like, mm, well, there's not going to be because the company that bought the film stored it in a fucking salt mine for 25 years. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's a I true know. story. <clears throat> and I know. I'm like, so how, what? How does that work? There film- are so many shitty, uh, uh, they, they didn't know how to properly take care of film for the longest time. And that's why there are so many lost films in the early days. And on top of, like, studio fires that get rid of yeah, all the negatives. Yeah, there's been lots of fires. You have to think how much room that takes up. Like, mm-hmm. just a reel of film. A film. A film. 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 Like, stoil. Oh, I forgot. And if you had, even if you made 20 movies a year, 
That takes up a lot of shelf space after 50, 75 years. Right, but I mean a salt mine? That, was, the, <laughs> was the movie studio like, man, we're running out of space to store all our movies. Uh, well, uh, my buddy who lost a bet to Big Louie, he, <laughs> he got a salt mine out of the deal, you know? Uh, you, I mean, they don't use it anymore because there's no salt anymore, but it's, so it's just a mine, I guess, but. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, there are certain movies, like, UHF is not one that I expected to have that kind of transfer. I get you. Not, not to have that kind of quality. There are movies that came after that that don't have as good of a fucking transfer. No, yeah, that's true. I, I completely understand where you're coming from. And even bigger budgeted films, even from that same time mm-hmm. and era, still don't look as good and still don't look as pristine as that movie does. Even watching it on probably standard def on YouTube, I, I was thinking to myself, there was a movie that had a way bigger budget, is way more beloved, and looks way shittier. Demolition Man. <laughs> Fuck you. The original Star Wars. <sighs> Um, I don't know how much bigger of a budget. I know it only had like a couple million behind it, but I just feel like even with all the restorations, it's still grainy. It's still, it's almost got like a spaghetti Western look to it. And that's probably intentional, but I don't know. But yes. there are other movies like that. Is what I'm right. Saying. But you have to think too, like the time frame from when UHF was, that's a big time gap. 77 to. I know. 89. And, and my only real argument would be uh, Empire Strikes Back came out only three years later and looks fucking amazing no matter what format it's in. Right. <clears throat> and it may have been storage. It may have been... It could have been. We never know. Yeah. It may have been the acids that they used. Was, it could have been better film after three years. Yeah. Exactly. Or they had the budget because part one was such a success. They were like, hey, um, why don't we buy better film this time? Mm-hmm. Just saying. Let's have more reels of it. Yeah. Well, and that also kind of harkens in the factor of what kind of film you're using. Let's shoot Mark Hamill from a mile away in the snow. Just let him walk in a straight line. Right outside the hotel because it's a fucking blizzard. <laughs> I always love fucking Irvin Kershner. What's my inspiration? You're trying not to die. <laughs> Action. <laughs> I love it. But in order to keep this from turning into yet another Star Wars podcast... Uh, one of many. <laughs> there is one Star Wars spoof in it. Whenever Stanley has to escape from... When they're trying to get Stanley out of the uh, the clutches of RJ's men. Because after a while, when they try to save the UHF station, they decide that they're going to hold a telethon. Right. Mm-hmm. And people love Stanley so much that he's basically the star of their telethon. Yeah, he's the mascot. He's, he's their Nickelodeon Spongebob. Or Mark Summers. <laughs> So, in the process of it, he gets captured by RJ's men, and as he's getting ready to leave, he gets his mop, he he mm-hmm. busts out of it when he sees his mop, and he starts swinging, and he goes, vroom, vroom. <laughs> I love it. He, it's it's like the, the binds were just barely there. He he could have just snapped loose at any time, but right. he's too stupid to do that. I just love the the idea that he was so fucking strong. The ropes didn't even matter. Right. Well, he's also a, he's kind of a his character is portrayed as like a gentle person. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. But there was his childhood mop, which I think is a little sad that it, it's been his mop for his whole life. Why and, wasn't Stanley Spadowski the Toxic Avenger? I Maybe he was, know. and we just didn't know it. Right. Maybe after I would watch that fucking movie. I'm just saying. Maybe after his stint as 
U62's main moneymaker, he that's when he fell into a bat of acid. After losing or toxic like, waste, two hundred pounds and being a nerd for a while. Well, I mean, then it also uh, where'd the tutu his... come from? Didn't they put him in the tutu? Yeah, they put him in a tutu and and chucked him in fucking high school bullies. I love trauma. We need to do a trauma podcast at some point. Trauma's all right. Trauma is just that, just that ounce away from being complete smut. I, I disagree. Yeah. I think half of their movies go over that. Yeah. You remember Getting Lucky? It's a movie JD brought us. There's a whole 10-minute scene. It feels like 10 minutes. Where a girl is taking a shower, and the main character is very tiny, and he's being washed all over her boobs as she's washing them. <laughs> oh. So to portray that, they throw him on a skin-colored tarp. And just roll him around in water. <laughs> it is garbage. And I love it, but it goes on for way too long. I have a lot to say about trauma films. I'm just going to put them in the back pocket and save it for I agree. if we ever do a trauma one. Trauma, trauma movies were hit or miss. Some Very. were like, all right, this was pretty cool. And others were like, 10 minutes into it, you're like, goodbye. Click. Yeah. This is fucking lame. <laughs> Most of trauma was like that one for me. <laughs> they were just trying to fill out their catalog. So, Stanley gets captured. Uh, at some point during the movie, Philo snuck in to the Channel 13 and put a camera inside RJ's office. Yes. Without telling anybody, by the by. Right. Snuck in there and put a camera in there to kind of keep an eye on and make sure the Channel 13 wouldn't do anything too dubious. It, which is cool, but here's the funny thing. That's like a UHF camera, so it's freaking gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> and it's in the corner, and RJ never noticed. And the lens is poking down through <laughs> Right, them. right. I mean, I get it. It's just a movie, and we're just there to see it like, oh, he's spying on him. But it's a UHF fucking <laughs> video camera. It's massive. It's like how... <laughs> Keep in mind, he can only see like a quarter size of it. Most of it's in the air vents. No, I mean, even the lens is what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. It just, because yeah. it's an old UHF fucking video camera. Even if it's, it, it's a tiny one mm-hmm. for the time still, but the lens is massive and it's sticking out of the fucking ceiling in the corner of his office and he never noticed it? Yes. Once again, that's just me being a fucking douchebag about it. I mean, I was nitpicking about $75,000 being too low. You're right. nitpicking about a camera. Right. That, it. I'm sorry. Now I'm looking at the corner like, is I'm there like, one there? <laughs> but I'm just trying to think. So, and this is such a big, giant camera. When it goes into focus, don't you think in your quiet office you'd hear like a... <laughs> like, what yeah. the fuck is going on? So, he he's filming everything that goes on, and Terry shows up to negotiate. Uh, unbeknownst to George, George has no idea. His girlfriend goes in and says, look, why don't you cut George some slack. He's working really hard and blah, blah, blah. And RJ being RJ is like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> Excuse me. And basically tells her to run along. Mm-hmm. And that's how he finds out that like shit's going down. And he sees, does he see Stanley on camera? Because it's Stanley's. Oh yeah, Stanley breaks into the office and's trying to get away and runs into the office later on. Yeah, and and at first Philo's just messing around with whatever the hell his contraptions are, but eventually he does see him and he's like, "Uh, George, yeah. right?" 
and sends him over there. And of course, George runs over there. Runs. Doesn't even drive. He runs. And gets his ass captured. <laughs> well, After the best Rambo sequence Yeah, that's ever. when he has his Rambo daydream. Which was... <laughs> Actually, George and... I think George notices it without... And notices that he's at the U-62. Does he notice that he's at the U, at the Channel 13? I'm pretty sure Philo sees it and panics. Because no, yeah. I, I remember... It's Philo. Yeah, I remember thinking... Okay. Philo... Because there's a spoiler later. Do you want to tell him? Go ahead. Okay. Philo, as it turns out, is a fucking alien. And I love it because it's claymation. But Philo notices it. And I'm like... Philo, with all of his technological superiority, goes and gets George, the most inept motherfucker you can right, imagine. Right. Well, maybe maybe his race kind of has like a prime directive, and he was already kind of interfering to begin mm-hmm. with. So he's like, "Well, this is kind of an eternal affair, so I'm gonna <laughs> let I'll let an Earthling handle it." I was gonna say it's just a shitty UHF station, but then I remember Bill and Ted, two lame fucking rock stars create an entire future of utopia. God gave rock and roll to you. Don't sell us Keanu Reeves. Sell us. <laughs> sue us. So It's actually a Kiss song, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Is it? That's yeah. awesome. So they break him out. Don't sue us, Gene Simmons. <laughs> or he breaks himself out. Right. And one of the cleverest jokes in the movie happens. They hear stumbling into the closet, and when they go into the closet to check on what's going on, this is RJ's henchmen. Cooney's guys come out and say supplies <laughs> out of the supplies closet. <laughs> all the uh, all the I love puns. All the martial the, artists uh, martial artists kick their ass. Yeah, we've skipped so many tiny little jokes. There was one I completely forgot when RJ is arguing with someone and his son pokes his head in the office and he's got that cowboy hat. <laughs> one of RJ's, yeah, is uh, one of his sons. One of his three sons. I said his son. I didn't I'm think pretty it, sure it's his son. I thought it was just one of the other studio execs is what it was. I don't know, but it's the funniest fucking joke in the I movie. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, he pops his head in. He's got that cowboy hat. And it's got like a squirrel tail and it's got beads around it. It's got fucking turquoise all over yeah, it. Yeah, turquoise because it's, it's, it's the Southwest. And he's like, hey, dad, the UH is whatever. He's like, whatever. And take that stupid thing off. And then he grabs his mustache and pulls, pulls his mustache off. his mustache off, yeah. <laughs> I want to know who take came up with that Take that ridiculous joke. thing off. Yeah, take that ridiculous <laughs> thing. Oh, my God. Uh, what, I, what I think about it, most of the jokes in that movie are trying to be uh, subvert expectation humor. I mean, number one, that's kind of what humor is. That's why it's funny because well, it subverts your expectation. Yeah, but even even going back to the dog and the the punch bowl, you, I was even being like, okay, so he's gonna calmly put the dog. Nope, fucking chuck yeah, him right. in the goddamn. He's punch. just like, I'm done with this dog. <laughs> Into the put. Oh, you're not gonna drink? Here, you can swim in it then. And I'm sure that's not what his intent was. He was just like, I'm done with this dog. <laughs> oh, hey, excitement! Right, something else is happening spont- over here. His spontaneity, spontaneity, just ADD the movie. Yeah, ADHD. I don't know what they call it now. <laughs> It's, it's kind of cool, though, that of all the people to get their own movie, like Weird Al, Weird Al actually had his own movie. He's talking about another one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus, he's had two separate TV shows. Yeah. And he does guest appearances on, what was the one show uh, that he was on? He's been on Comedy Bang Bang for yeah. one or two seasons. Yeah. He was even in fucking uh, epic rap battles. He played Isaac Newton. Yep, sir. Isaac one of my Newton. one of my favorite raps. He was also in Spy Hard. 
Really? I don't remember. I mean, at the I'm, beginning I'm not, of it, yeah, he does you. the musical element for Spy Hard. That's pretty awesome. And he's singing along, and yeah, it shows him at the very beginning of it. Uh, fuck, I already forgot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it wasn't that memorable. Remember one of the shows? Oh, he was on Game Grumps, that's all. One of the shows they were watching, uh, The Nature Guy, and he's like, this is my box turtle. Raul. Raul. And yeah. He, he reminds and, me of Eddie Guerrero. And he's like, hey, did you know uh, that turtles are nature's suction cup? See? <laughs> <laughs> so he throws him up and he sticks to the ceiling. He's like, now we're going to teach poodles to fly. And he's throwing dogs out the window. And he's like, oh, sometimes it takes him a while. <laughs> and then it cuts back to George and Bob. And he's like, where'd you find this guy? <laughs> me? I thought you hired him. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, there was supposed to be a lot more with him, but the actor died, unfortunately. Oh, that's Yeah, he sucks. passed away. Oh, no. Uh, well, they dedicate the film to him. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Man. Yeah, yep. they, they, they had a lot more with him, and I would have loved to have seen it. They show up with delivery truck. They're like, hey, we got the animals for your show. He's like, and I got the badgers. Badgers? Badgers? Yeah, the badgers. Fucking dramatic. Badgers? Thing. We don't need no stinking badgers. <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> I don't know why. I guess I don't get that joke, but he's like... Very upset. See, the joke was is lost on me too for one reason. It is in Mel Blanks's. Uh, uh, what's the Western Mel Blanks makes? Why? No idea. Blazing Saddles. Mel Brooks. Mel Blanks is the guy who does all the voices. Bo- the Bugs Bunny. I just seen Bugs Bunny on here for a second. Gotcha. Hold on a second. <laughs> My brain's fogging. So get your Mel- pop culture straight, damn it. I know. Fuck me. So Mel Brooks. There's a part where they're going through, they're going like, you got, where's your badges? And the bandito goes, badges? We don't need no stinking badges. Okay. Bumados. Okay. Nice. But that joke is another joke from something else, and I'm not for sure what so it is. So it's just a running gag, I, and we're trying to figure it out. Yeah. We'll find it. We're going to have to hunt this thing down. I, God, I'm, I'm ready for a Blazing Saddles. Though it it touches on some pretty racy subjects, yeah. I that you. I, I don't. People. Yeah, it's it's pretty gnarly, but it's a fucking hilarious movie. I have to admit, it's the film of his that I've laughed the least at until the end chase, until the big climax. I was not laughing that hard. Most of my laughter came from uh, Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder's pretty good in most of the things he's in. Mm-hmm. Except Harold Kumar. Was Gene Wilder in was in Harold Kumar? I do not remember that. As I recall. Yeah, he's like an old hobo. Like, Yeah. As I recall, he's an old hobo. It's like a cameo, but still. <laughs> it's a good thing I didn't see that movie. Sorry. Oh, damn it. The movie with Amy Schumer with uh, Bill Hader. He's a doctor and mm-hmm. ghost. What was the name of that movie? Trainwreck. Trainwreck. So, David Tell is one of my all-time... He's in my top three favorite comedians. So, near the end of the movie, or through the movie, she's she talks to him two or three times, because David Tell's like the homeless guy that lives outside of her hotel. That's awesome. I love her apartment. So, at the very end, she's straightening up her life. So, she gives up weed. She gives up liquor. So, she goes outside, and she gives him the box. And it's got it's got a bong and some uh, liquor bottles and a cardboard box. He's like, "What? Weed, liquor, and a place to live?" <laughs> <laughs> David Tell is like one of her like 
mentors or something like right. that. They're like their personal they're friends. friends. Yeah, they're yeah. personal friends. That David Tell, that dude does not care. I love him. He will say it. If it pops in his head, it comes out of his mouth. He, He's uh, hilarious. David Cross is the same. A lot of comedians are like that, actually. Yeah, no, no, that's true, too. But I love it. I'd be a comedian if I was funny. Kind of a prerequisite to be a comedian. <laughs> I was going to laugh at that, fake laugh, but then I realized that'd be giving you too much credit. That's true. You, you don't want to give me any false hope? <laughs> don't do that. Don't give me hope. <laughs> so, basically, to narrow out what was going on in UHF, at the end of it, they're, they are pitted to winning the station by donation. Well, not technically. They were selling shares of yeah. U62, right. making it public. They go all... And that's fucking... when they they make it a, like you were saying, public, but... Mm. goes all Wolf of Wall Street and shit and gets stocks and bonds up in this bitch. I don't know about all that. It's kind of weird, too. Don't know. That's something that... W- kids will never know about now is a telethon mm-hmm. nobody like i remember telethons being on when we were like especially for like pbs and and some and some other smaller network televisions and stuff like that that's how they stayed afloat was by telethons you know another orion movie that had a telethon robocop 2 yep gotta much s- less entertaining but gotta save detroit i don't know it had the it had the hillbilly playing the fiddle, doing the splits. Playing fucking Born to be Wild. <laughs> he had the goofiest teeth, I swear. Well, I'm going to argue just slightly. I know it's on a telethon, but there's all kinds of streamers that do like 24-hour streams for charity. That's true. Even, I, so, even the GDQs, the, the Games Done Quick events, they're the same thing. Right. Well, and they do that They do that too. Like uh, every year, there's a 24-hour, like this guy's going to take eight hours, this guy takes eight hours. Right. There's still stuff like that. But I mean, as far as like... Just uh, classic telethon, yeah, they're the not going to know what it is. The old classic telethons, it's... And they used to go on like all weekend long. Jerry Lewis's Jerry telethon. Lewis, yep, yep, the whole weekend. Yep. Nice. For like St. Jude's or whatever he used to do. Yeah, all that's gone now. Oh, man. I I knew it was going to be a crummy weekend whenever the St. Jude Telethon was on, because I'm like, well, we're watching this. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. Everybody liked Jerry Lewis. I feel bad for not liking him as much as everybody else. Uh, Apparently yeah, in no. France, he's like the number one the comedian ever. Yeah, they think he's great. But they also think Edgar Allan Poe is the most heartfelt poet that ever was. He's kind of a shitty poet. <laughs> Fight me. And didn't know it. Edgar Allan Poet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here all week, folks. <laughs> Tip your waitress. <laughs> Dad jokes so, are So, they're raising the telethon money, and they come up short. Because they have till midnight, or 10 p.m., right? Right, 10. They have till 10. We, we skipped a pivotal point of the plot. Earlier in the movie, the man who we believe to be homeless asks for change. From R.J. And R.J. Fletcher gives him a dime and says, don't spend it all in one place. It's a penny. A Thanks, mister. double stamp wheat penny. And okay. I, I know that because I've been looking for one myself. <laughs> and then and then the guy looks exceedingly happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're like, wow. All right. I didn't know he was that modest and humble. And then at the, big, the end, he was like, I got $2,000. Is it too late? And he got he bought a Rolex, which he shows to RJ. And earlier in the movie, RJ wanted a Rolex, uh-huh. and his, his, his own son, his own son, yeah. goof fucked that up and got him something else. He's like, I wanted a Rolex. 
Oh, you shouldn't have. <laughs> I told you I wanted a Rolex. Uh, what a terrible person. What a terrible. Terrible person. I love it. So anyway, and then, so really, if RJ would have just kept his mouth shut, he would have won. Right. Because Big Louie shows up looking for his money. Mm-hmm. And they did not make $75,000 in time to sell the shares. Which, to be fair, I think even someone like Big Louie would take 73 with a little bit of interest. I don't know. I don't know. Them loan sharks are pretty vicious. Loan meat cleavers. Well, I guess he's not. it's not really a loan, because I'm sure if he had to wait one minute, he'd apply to interest. <laughs> $75,000, though, how much interest is that? Depending on the APR. I mean, it depends on the interest rate. I mean, we could do it. Hold on a minute. Let me get my pad out. <laughs> <laughs> Still, I mean, it it took Big Lou a total of two seconds to take the bag from Al whenever he... Yeah, I love it. Or George. He's like, it's all there. I'm like, just, all right, don't count it then. Fuck you. Well, we also missed the part about them tripping uh, Billy Barty's character... Mm-hmm. On the stu- on the stairs. Remember, she was going to go interview the mayor when he was yep, coming out. Yep. And Fletcher's son, the fucking daddy's boy, bitch, he is. Trips him. Noodles Macintosh. Trips him, and then that is a great fucking name. <laughs> yeah. I think I think UHF is one of those movies that, in ten more years, it's still going to feel as good as it did now. It's it always feels good watching UHF. I've I let my daughter watch it a couple years back for the first time, and she laughed at some of the most ridiculous stuff. <laughs> there are some movies that that do that sort of thing that date themselves, but UHF acts more of a time capsule than dating itself. Right, I feel like, and a I lot, could see that it's it's one of those movies where the humor serves the plot. Like yeah, Weird Al's feeding fucking uh stuff to a, a dog, but. It's while they're talking about giving him a station. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> hey, we have a TV station. We need someone to run it. And then you have some klutz over there. Mm-hmm. And that that's what makes part of it so funny to me is that it's plot relevant, but it's just off the fucking wall at the same time. It's the charm of it, for sure. I would like to see Weird Al do another movie. I was hoping he would have done one long ago, but... <laughs> Trapped in the drive-thru is close enough for me for now. Right. And we got... Uh, we, I love trapped in the drive-thru. Me too. We got a Gone with the Wind reference at the end of it, too. Yep, yep. Because his girlfriend comes back to him. And she's excited that he did it. He actually accomplished something, and right, that's what she's excited right, for. Right, exactly. Exactly. Man, people in Gone with the Wind are shitty fucking people. He's not a loser anymore. <laughs> He's a man. Now you're a man. <laughs> man, man, man. Manny, manny, man, 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 man. Now you're a man, man. Oh. Well, folks, you got anything to say about UHF? I do. Uh, to tie this into Transformers, Weird Al did music for the movie. It was called Dare to be Stupid. Transformers, the movie. Dare to be in stupid. The 80s. Dare be stupid. I remember the song, but I didn't know who did it. It was for Transformers, the movie. It's all right. We can be stupid all night. UHF. UHF. Watch it. Buy it. Do it. Pull it, twist it, move it. Uh, it. That's been, um, no. 
You never had a Buffett twisted pull-up? No. You're a bitch. You're putting words in my mouth. Podcast. Put things in your mouth. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I had a record and I completely lost it when you left. Podcast at GamerDA.com. Facebook, Game Discretion Advised. Twitter, GamerDA1. G1. G1. I'll tie it in, goddammit. And you can check out our new website. We finally got one rolling back up again. And we're very proud of it. Yes, we are. That is GamerDA.com. Come say some stuff to us. Email us. Let us know what you think. Tell us you hate us. I like that. Or tell Forrest that you hate him. He yes, likes that. please tell him. <laughs> Take him down a notch. Fuck you. Thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs>